Tonight's episode is brought to you by the Rails to Trails Conservancy, Bendetti Optics, and you, our listeners. I woke up to like a bunch of comments on my YouTube. My first thought was, yay, I'm blowing up. No, not really. What actually had happened is somebody started accusing me of murder. up all of you wayward souls and welcome back to the wayward stories podcast wayward stories is the podcast where we tell the tales of our adventures and our wanderings and our wonderings how's everyone doing this week i hope you guys are doing well is everyone getting geared up for christmas i know um sighting times around here um for us because hanukkah is kicking off right now which my uh daughter celebrates so we have a great time with that as adam sandler said You know, instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights, and it's a lot of fun, y'all. Like, it's super cool. I love decorating for Hanukkah. I actually love the menorah. It's very, very cool. Um, A lot of cultural aspects to that that are a whole lot of fun to enjoy. Um, Matter of fact, though, Christmas is getting geared up around here. Our search and rescue team has just done two Christmas parades in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I always tell you guys, because, you know, what is this? This podcast is mostly about things, travel, getting out in the outdoors, doing things outside. I always try to encourage all of you to get involved with your local search and rescue team, right? I always try to tell you about all of the many perks that you get for being on the search and rescue team. You get free training. I mean, never mind that you'll spend a lot of money on gear just because we're all gearheads at heart. But you know what? You love to go hiking. You like to help people. It always feels good to help people, right? So I'm always trying to incorporate that into the show. I mean, search and rescue fits right into a show that is mostly about hiking and travel and adventure and getting out and exploring, right? Well, here's one of the other aspects that are super fun that you can be involved in. Usually you're going to get involved in local events. Like I've told you guys before about how much fun it is to do like the county fairs and whatnot. Well, Christmas parades come around and there is nothing more fun y'all than getting all geared up and walking in a Christmas parade or driving a side by side or one of the SAR, you know, one or SAR two, one of the vehicles you might have and getting out there and just doing PR and talking to people and handing candy out to the little kids, man. It is so much fun. I enjoy it every year. We did the Greenwood Parade here in our little Sebastian County in Western Arkansas last week, and that was a lot of fun. They always have a really great little parade. Um, And today, literally, I just came from doing the Fort Smith Christmas Parade, which is a pretty darn big deal around here. Lots of people show up. Line, Garrison Avenue, parts of Rogers Avenue. It's just, it's a big old deal. It's a whole lot of fun. And it's really cool to get out there and get to talk to people and hand out candy to the kids. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. That's one more thing that I can pitch to you to say you should get involved in your search and rescue team. And I also need to point out, as people asked me about today, you don't have to be in the best shape to be on a search and rescue team. Like you don't have to go do ropes, guys. We don't have to throw you over a cliff to try to help someone. Like you can do planning and operations. You can do comms. You can do communications. You can do SAR topo. Like some teams, we have a team here locally, Crawford, they've got a drone team. Like, I would love to have a drone. We need a drone on our team. There's so many things that don't require you to be, say, physically capable. And it's perfect for people who are on up there in age or maybe just a little bit more have some physical disabilities or some injuries. Anyway, search and rescue. 
is always a great public service to be a part of. And it's really great for those of us who like to get outdoors because all of us at some point may need search and rescue to come find us. And it's all the better if you can get out there and start giving back before you actually have to take a little bit, right? Anyway, tonight's episode is not about Christmas parades. It's not about search and rescue. And we're going to get into it. I mean, as you've already seen the title, if you looked before this episode started playing, tonight we're going to talk about Rails to Trails. But before we get to that, got to go over a couple little short bits of housekeeping. I know you all love it so much when we get into housekeeping, but there's not a lot to go over tonight. The main things that I want to touch on, as always, are, you know, maybe we could, here you go, maybe we could quit doing housekeeping if more of you would go rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. I need those ratings and reviews on the podcast players. If you all went and did that, I wouldn't have to talk to you about it anymore. So here we are. And I have to encourage you, please, if you enjoy the show, go rate and review and subscribe. Like that supports us more than if you sent me green folding American money. You know, actually, I don't know. If you want to send me green folding money, I get with me. I will get you my address. But next to that, that is absolutely the best way to support the show. Yeah, you just can't understand how big of a deal the algorithm is. It's a big deal. And also, as always, I want to encourage you to get in touch Please get in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying the show. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Let's talk about it like adults so that I can continue to improve the show and bring you guys content that you're enjoying. I heard from a listener today named Cindy G and she had very nice things to say about the show. She told me she really loved the podcast, which is awesome. And uh, she was sent me a picture because from the Fuzzy Butt episode, last episode, we talked about um, my little issue with trying to get a picture of the waterfall. She sent me a picture that she got to take when she came and hiked Fuzzy Butt some time ago. And she sent an awesome picture. And I just want to give her a shout out, Cindy G. Thank you for getting in touch. It means the world to me. I will be sending you an email later tonight. I just got to do this whole recording thing first. But thank you so much for getting in touch. I love to hear from you guys. I love to engage. I love to get ideas from you. And also, in addition to that, please, if you've got any cool trip ideas or any um, that you've actually been on, itineraries that you could share with me of trips you've done, if you have adventure stories you would like to tell, send us an email at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Guys, we'll tell your story. We've already done it once. I'm looking at maybe doing it again. If I can get a few more people on board, feel free to send your stories in and we will get you on the show. That was kind of the, if any of you've listened from the beginning, you know that that's what I was driving for back in the early days. The idea was to build a platform, a community where we could all share stories together. You know, the way that the the wilderness has healed us or helped us overcome trauma or just what it means to us and people that we love and our hiking buddies and our families. That was kind of the idea. And I do believe that could still go there someday if I could ever afford to advertise and really get out there in the world. But anyway, you guys let me know if you have any cool stories to share. And by all means, keep spreading the word. We can use all the help we can get getting out there to people who might enjoy the show. So moving on from there, let's get into the show. If you will recall Crystal D, who is one of our best and greatest supporters, who always comments on almost every episode. She's always listening as she's out there living a nomad life all over the country, of which I'm super jelly. She suggested doing a Rails to Trails episode. So tonight we are going to do some Rail to Trail bucket list or Rail Trail bucket list. What is a Rail Trail? We've talked about it a little bit in the past before. 
And for any of you that do not know what a rail trail is, a rail trail is an old abandoned railroad right of way. Railroad right of way. Yeah, that was a tongue twister, but I nailed it the first time. Man, what are the odds? It didn't sound. I felt like I wasn't going to pull that off and I nailed it the first time. I think I have to go back and listen in editing, but it is an abandoned railroad right of way. And the reason this is good for us who like to hike, who like to bike, um, who'd like to just get out and explore is because many of those old abandoned right of ways, um, because they're federally owned, right? A right of way is something that is granted by the U S government, essentially owned by the U S government. That's why it's a federal crime. If you get caught screwing around with railroad tracks, even if they belong to some company, they really belong to the U S government. Right of ways are maintained, controlled, and essentially owned by the U S government. And so what that means is when some railroad no longer has use for some corridor that they used before, they may abandon that right of way and that right of way will become what they call rail banked. It's not like the land goes back to, because usually these railroads, they cut right through private property, right? They cut right through cities. They ride through towns, through private property, across mountains, through valleys, like they go wherever they need to go because technically the federal government owns this 20 foot, 30 foot. I don't know how big it is, probably 30 foot or a little more wide swath of land through wherever it goes. So what that offers us is when these things are rail banked, you can actually get out there on those trails and you can walk them if they have been turned into a proper trail. And that is what the Rails to Trails Conservancy does, which is why I shouted them out at the top of the show as someone providing, you know, brought to you by tonight because that's what they do. I mean, I've been a rail trail member for like three or four years now. It's like $18 a year. I get something cool every year for being a member. I get several magazines for any of you watching on YouTube. This is what one looks like right here. I believe they come out quarterly and you get these quarterly magazines with features on all of these awesome rail trails that have been taken over and appropriated to become trails for civilian use. They can be bike trails, hike trails, some of them are equestrian trails, some of them are snowmobile trails up in the Northeast, as I learned as I was doing the episode research for this week. So anyway, the reason this is cool, why is this different? Why is this, you know, so special as opposed to any other hiking trail you might get out there and hike? Well, there's multiple reasons. Number one is they're usually gonna cut through land like this private property. Therefore, you can travel vast distances on rail trails. Like there is many opportunities to do giant through hikes, through rides, but it also just means you get access to scenery and, and history and culture of areas that you would otherwise not ever get to see. Like it literally takes you right through the heart of say thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of private property. You could get to see views of the Yellowstone River that you might not otherwise ever get to see or the Appalachian Mountains or anywhere, name it. Anywhere there's been a railroad that's been abandoned, and there are tens of thousands would be my guess. If a rail trail has been established and created, this is free to you to go use and see views, see history, see things you're not going to get to see any other way. I absolutely love rail trails. Okay. So tonight, what we're going to talk about is several. We're going to make, I've come up with a bucket list out of the magazine I just showed you, the quarterly, I still, yeah, I believe it's quarterly, um, Rails to Trails magazine that you will get if you are a member. So I went through and I found a good handful of trails that represent the Southeast and Northeast, like all over the country, 
all the best places. And I've come up with, what do I have? One, two, three, four, five. I think five different rail trails that I consider bucket list. So I've curated a list to go over with you tonight and give you guys some ideas. What do we do on this show? What is this show all about? I preach it and I preach it and I preach it. Get off of your butt and go live your life. You can make time. You spend all your time doom scrolling. If you want to sit here and tell me you have no time, you spend most of your time doom scrolling. I promise you, you can sit down and you can figure out how to budget time. Okay, if I quit doom scrolling and I start doing my, you know, laundry on these nights and these nights, I can make a free weekend once a month. Like, because it might only be a single free weekend once a month or maybe even a single free day. I get it. We have extremely busy lives. But if you put thought into it, I promise you I'm living proof. If we sat down and talked and after I went through all of the responsibilities that I'm carrying around right now, as I'm trying to get my degree, as I'm trying to stay and do my job on the search and rescue team. I don't know if I told you guys this I actually won search and rescue member of the year for last year at our last meeting a couple of three weeks ago. That was super cool. That was really cool. Haven't done that. It took me eight years to get there, but Hey, I'll take it right. That's awesome. That made me really happy. That was kind of exciting. It's nice. Um, but you try to do the search and rescue things and make all the meetings. You try to do like I go to the Archies, a lot archaeological society meeting. I can't hardly talk to them. I've been yelling at the parade all day. Um, meetings once a month. Got school. Got work. Got my daughter. Huge chunk of the month these days. Like, listen, I have the same responsibilities as you, and I manage to find days afternoons, weekends, you can find them. You just have to work for them. And that's what I'm here to do is to try to inspire you to get off your butt and start living before you start dying. That's, that's what we're here to do. So tonight I'm bringing you a whole bunch of ideas for different rail to trails. And, and this is the other thing. Why are rail to trails great? Because y'all, there's some hikes out there that will kick your butt. Like no matter how good a shape you're in, y'all, I'm in really actually good hiking shape doesn't by any means mean I'm a sparkly, sexy vampire. Like, you know, I ain't taking my shirt off for any camera, you know, film shoots, but, but physically I'm in good enough shape to hike just about any trail you can put in front of me. Some of them will tear you up. Some of them just aren't doable for a lot of people. Rail to rails to trails, rail trails always, always are. Why? Because, well, I think I've mentioned it in another episode. I always feel like I'm repeating myself, but not all of you listen to every episode. So why is this? Why is this? Because rail trails, they don't make steep grades. Because back when they were a functional rail line, they were pulling tons of weight. And it's an efficiency thing. And it's also a matter of physics. There's only so much weight you can pull up a hill before you stall out, right? So almost all rail trails run on an average of a 2 to 3% grade. So it's not like you have to hike way straight up a mountain and climbing over rocks. Guys, it's flat. It's usually crushed gravel, paved, or even if it's just a footpath, it's more or less flat. The most extreme grade you're ever going to see is like 12%, maybe. Maybe a little higher for a little ways, but then that's not going to be a very big hill because there wouldn't be any way a train could make it up that hill. So they follow the valleys, they follow, follow the creeks, and they're very, very accessible. More often than not, they're extremely accessible for anyone of any ability to hike. Like they're all over this country. If you just Google it, you'd be like, holy crap. I think there's even, it's the All Trails app. I'm pretty sure it's All Trails. No, 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 no. Don't misquote me. There's a Rails to Trails app, essentially, that has all the great rail trails. Check it out. Look into it. I'm going to tell you about a bunch tonight, so you're going to have an idea of exactly how cool this can be, because I've got some great ones for the list tonight. Before we get into our list, I'm going to talk about some of the rail trails that I have already hiked or ridden, some of the cooler ones. 
One of the very first rail trails I ever hiked was the Nickel Plate Trail in Peru, Indiana. And it was when I was working for FedEx up in Indiana. And Peru was just like maybe an hour drive up the road. And y'all, up there in the Midwest, you got to remember the industrial, industrial Revolution, when it popped when that old iron horse came to town, when the railroad started to go out across America, y'all really the Northeast and the Midwest was really where everything happened. It was like, it was popping. That's, I mean, the Rust Belt, right? You've heard of the Rust Belt? That's because you had Pittsburgh and the steel mills and the steel industry. You had the West Virginia coal mines. You had all of these different industries and they were all up where the, you know, population of America was at that time. It was majority primarily in the Midwest and the Northeast. And that's where everything was. So railroads literally like crisscrossed the landscape all over the Midwest. So there's a ton of rail trails up there and they're super, super fun to hike. The Nickel Plate Trail in Peru, y'all, this was one of the first ones I ever hiked. And I'll tell you, this is an indicator. It is indicative of exactly how easy some of these can be to hike, but you're getting these great views. Is I hiked 22 miles one afternoon. I took off and it was just going, man. I hit my, my, hiker's high, I guess. It's not really a runner's high, right? But it was like a hiker's high and I was just pounding away, man. I was just pounding away. And all of a sudden I looked down and I've been hiking for a few hours, like three hours or something. And I was like, holy cow, I've gone 11 miles. Shoot. That means I have to go back 11 miles. Holy crap. It's going to be dark soon. So I got to hike back and a little bit of it was in the dark, but it's a super cool hike. Cause here's the thing. Rail trails will oftentimes follow rivers. This is one reason I love them is for the scenery. Oftentimes, most of the time, if you're going through mountains, they're definitely following washes and rivers and you'll get a lot of tunnels. Mountain rail trails are the best because you want to talk about views and vistas, baby. Any of you have ever seen, have any of you ever seen, say the Royal Gorge Railroad? You know, it goes down through the Royal Gorge. It's right along the river, right? A lot of you out there listening have probably ridden it. Like now imagine abandoned right-of-ways that are hikeable trails that follow those same kind of routes right along the river. Y'all, they are amazing. So you got easy hikes right along the river and you get all of the views. I'm talking some of the best scenery you're probably ever going to get to see is going to be on a rail trail that you may not otherwise even be able to access the area unless you're say rafting that very river. But the nickel plate in Peru, Indiana is a great one. It's got an awesome old bridge right over the river. Um, another one that I've hiked is the Northeast Texas Rail Trail. Actually, I rode it on my mountain bike when I bought it down in Texas. Um, bought a used Trek, you know, and there's an episode where I talk about that, but I bought a used Trek. That's the way I'm buying bikes, y'all. I'm not paying five grand for specialized. There ain't no way it's worth it. No way. No way. Unless you want to be that cool. And I don't really care about being that cool. Um, but Trek, you know, Trek can get up there a couple of grand or 1200, 1500 for new ones for their great bikes. And that's the kind of deal where it's going to last you years and years and years and years and years. So I'll pay that over a Huffy from Walmart. That's going to break by guys. When I was a teenager, couldn't keep a Huffy from Walmart running for more than three weeks, right? They're always breaking and trying to kill you. Um, so I'll go and I'll buy a used Trek or something, which is exactly what I did. Paid like 300 bucks for it, a little more. And I was down there in Dallas. So I was like, well, I'm just going to stay tonight. I'm going to find a rail trail, found a rail trail, Northeast Texas rail trail. And it's down there by Paris, Texas. And y'all, it was a cool ride. It was a really cool ride. It's a great little hike through the prairies of Northeast Texas. And it was beautiful. One of the things I remember most about that hike 
or that ride is I went through this one corridor because you get all the trees that come up on either side of the road, right? And so like, or the railroad, the old right away. So you get this, a lot of times you'll get this kind of tunnel effect from the trees. And as I was blowing through there, I don't remember what time of year it was. I don't remember anything about it. I don't even know when the monarchs, when they actually migrate, but apparently they were. Because as I was blowing down through that trail, all of a sudden, monarch butterflies started to alight from all of the trees and just flow out into the road and up above my head and all around me. And y'all, that was like straight out of some kind of little girl's ethereal pony dream. Like that's right there is like rainbows, unicorns, ponies. Can you imagine riding through like an enormous amount of monarchs that are alighting from these trees and they're all above you and they're out in front of you. And as you come through and the noise approaches, they just continuously start to come out in front of you. Like it, it, it was really cool. If you have a very good imagination, just imagine riding through a tunnel of monarchs flying all over the place. It was so cool. It was so cool. I will say this about that rail trail. That's like one of the only rail trails I've ever been on that I think, honestly, it was uphills both way. You remember how grandma used to say that? Well, I was your age. We had to go to school and we had to hike backwards in the snow, barefoot, uphill both ways. Like it really felt like you were going uphill both ways. That one was a little bit of a struggle, but that's on a bike. If you're hiking, like you're not having to carry the weight of that bike and pedal yourself and that kind of locomotion, way easier to hike. But riding a bike, that one was a little tough. Um, ooh, another one that was awesome was Clifty Falls Rail Trail, and that is in Indiana as well. It's just above Cincinnati, I believe. And there is an old collapsed railroad tunnel in Clifty Falls, but it's not fully collapsed. And for some reason, apparently the state of Indiana or whomever actually owns that is not that concerned about liability because at least a couple of years ago when I was there, you could actually crawl through that tunnel and it was a trip and I did it. There's actually a video on my YouTube somewhere where I did it, but you can kind of go see the entrance to the old tunnel and it's really, really cool. Um, I did sweets or switch up in Indiana, which is a great long flat one, but that one's just running through cornfields. See, some of them can be boring but they're a great place to get exercise. And the last one I want to touch on that I actually got to go on. And I want to tell you about this one for a reason. I mean, there's a couple of reasons, but this is one of the craziest stories of anything that ever happened to me. Um, I went out and I went to the Wabash and Erie Canal Trail in Delphi, Indiana. And it also happens to have another trail nearby, which has the Monin High Bridge. That's an old railroad, the Monin. Um, and it's a really cool old high bridge. But I went to the Wabash and Erie Canal Trail, which is different than the Monon High Bridge. The reason I'm counting this as a rail trail is because it has kind of a similar aspect. It's about transportation. And it was the old Wabash and Erie Canal, y'all. And it's super cool. There's all kinds of history down there. Y'all, you go down and you hike around this loop and this big trail. You can see, you can actually see where the canal was. And you can get all these little historical markers that teach you how the canal system worked. Super cool hike, super cool hike. So that was at the very beginning of when I was starting to make YouTube videos. This is before the podcast ever even launched, right? And so I go and I do this hike and I video it and I'm all gung-ho and I'm super excited, right? I'm up there working for FedEx again. I think I was in Kokomo. Yes, I was definitely in Kokomo. So I go up. Delphi, do Wabash and Erie Canal Trail, make my video, drop it on the old interwebs. And um, anyway, wake up after, I don't know, a day or two. I woke up one morning to like a bunch of comments on my YouTube channel. 
And I was like, holy crap, what's happening? My first thought was, yay, I'm blowing up. No, not really. What actually had happened, this is such a weird thing. What actually had happened is somebody started accusing me of murder on my YouTube channel. I'm not lying to you. You can still go see some of their comments. I left them, most of them. I did delete some of them because at first I freaked the hell out. I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. Um, and I deleted some of the stuff that was really hateful that went off the edge or over the edge. But anyway, I ended up leaving some too. If you go find it, you'll, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what had happened, you want to talk about, well, I was going to say wrong place, wrong time, but it wasn't even close to the wrong time. What had happened is a few years prior, just a few, um, and it was very near the anniversary of when they had gone missing. Just a few years prior, there were two girls that had been murdered but they were up on the Monin High Bridge, which was the last place they were known to be. They were young girls. Um, I believe they were both 14 and under. Um, I didn't look heavily into it. But anyway, they had been murdered up there on this bridge or in the area. They were found near it. And so the people in the area, they it was very divisive, apparently. And lots of people accused lots of people. And lots of people are accusing the you know police of covering up things. And lots of people, like lots of conspiracies. There was a lot of conspiracy theories happening, apparently, about this thing that I had no clue had ever happened because I'm from Arkansas in Arkansas's ugly twin sister, Indiana, for work for like a month. I've only been there like two weeks and I'm being accused of murder. Um, And what they had decided, someone had found my video and had decided because I dropped it uh, within like a month of the anniversary of these girls being found, you know, three years, four years, five years, whatever before, that I was the murderer. And this was the way that I was, can, you know, you know how they say like, for how, if a building is being arsoned, you always look in the crowd because whoever started the fire is probably as a spectator. Apparently this is kind of what they were accusing me of doing. It's like my guilty conscience was, or maybe I was just goading the police on, I'm not sure. But anyway, I was a murderer and they were coming at me because I had murdered those girls apparently. And I was like, holy crap, I lost it. Cause I'm like, I was, was, I just started my YouTube y'all. Like I hadn't really put myself out there yet. And all of a sudden I've got people accusing me of murder and it was tripping me out at first. I was like, what is happening? Then I Googled it. Then I figured out, and then I figured out it was there. It happened years before. And I was like, I have never been to Indiana in my entire life until like the last two weeks. What the heck? And so then I was like, okay, well, listen, I've never been to Indiana before. I'm sorry. You guys are freaking out. This ain't me. And then there were some nice people who somehow caught wind and jumped in there and were like apologizing for their psycho conspiracy theory nuts. And it was like a whole thing. So anyway, just so you know, there's no reason not to go to Delphi these days and not go check out the Wabash and Erie Canal Trail and the Del or the Monin High Bridge, which by the way, they recently redid. It wasn't safe at that time. You know, I think it was even condemned, but they have redone it and they've turned it into a rail trail. That's why I bring it up here as well. And it's real close and I've seen pictures and it's freaking awesome. Um, but anyway, you don't have to worry about being accused of murder anymore because the murderer was caught. Newsflash, it wasn't me. And everything is kind of Gucci there now, as far as outsiders like us just wanting to go hike. But understand it, the Wabash and Erie Canal Trail, the Delphi in Delphi, and also the Monin High Bridge are great trails to go hike, go check out something really interesting to do. If you're anywhere up there around Indiana, don't sleep on Indiana. I have told you guys before, like, yeah, you get there and you're like, there are cornfields as far as I can see, which is much like Illinois. 
and Nebraska and a lot of our breadbasket, a lot of our Midwest. But I will tell you this, Indiana has pockets where glaciation and the you know last glacial maximum created some really beautiful places like Turkey Run State Park and Shade State Park and Clifty Falls is a neat place down there. Um, Indiana Dunes is awesome. Like there's several places in Indiana that are really, really cool that are not just cornfields as far as the eye can see. And they have a crap ton of rail trails. So don't don't sleep on Indiana. Indiana is a pretty cool place. Anyway, we have pushed on to the break now. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and take us to break. And when we come back, we're going to get into our bucket list. And we're going to talk about, I'm going to read and give credit to the proper authors. And then we're going to wax philosophical and think about how awesome trips might be to some of these rail trails that I have, again, hand curated from all over the United States, from all four corners of this place. So, you guys hang around, check out this word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. What is up, all of you wayward souls? I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, Bendetti Optics, a brand based right here in the good old U.S. of A., Portland, Oregon, to be exact. And I bought my first pair of Bendetti sunglasses about a year and a half ago and fell in love with them so much so that I got online and ordered a couple of more pair. And when I did, there was a small shipping snafu an order fulfillment snafu and I got on the phone gave him a call and guess what I get a call back from who one of the big men themselves right there in Portland from the top of the chain have a great conversation and we end up starting this great relationship we have they more than made right the little snafu that occurred and I am now a huge proponent of them because I can tell you from personal experience they are good people and they are trying to compete with the big boys out there coming in at a price point of about $40 but using the exact same frame material TR90 and the same polarization process as the big guys. As it turns out, something I think we are already probably knew in our hearts, when you buy big name sunglasses, you're buying a big name. Not necessarily any more quality than you can get somewhere else, like at Bendetti Optics. They have 29 different styles. They have multiple polarization options for whatever climate you happen to live in. And they back it up with like this lifetime guarantee that if your dog eats your sunglasses, it doesn't matter how you break them. Send it back in with a check to cover shipping and handling and you're golden. You got a new pair on the way. These guys are truly trying to do it right. And they have this philosophy that a really good pair of sunglasses should not cost you so much that you are afraid to wear them. And I think all of us outdoorsmen can relate to that. So if you guys, like me, are very practical and like to get more bang for your buck and wear some great-looking sunglasses, check out BendettiOptics.com. That's B-E-N-D-E-T-T-I, Optics.com. Or you can go over to Instagram slash BendettiOptics. And that I highly suggest, whether you buy a pair or not, just to check out the cutest pupper you will ever see modeling sunglasses. Once again, that's BendettiOptics.com. And make sure and let them know Wayward Stories sent you. And welcome back. Thank you guys for sticking around through our sponsor breaks. So let's get right into our bucket list. The first place we are going is our beautiful Desert Southwest. You guys know that I love it dearly. And I'm going back here in just a couple of weeks for my birthday Thanksgiving trip that is happening on Christmas time because there was um, 
you know, a little bit of a delay, but that's fine. It's still happening, and I think it's going to be a killer one this year. It looks like I've been able to put together more days than I've maybe ever had, and if I can afford it, we are going to run the tires off a little Clementine. This should be cool. But anyway, I love the Desert Southwest. You guys know this. So this is high on my bucket list of places I want to go at some point. And this is Historic Railroad Trail, the route that built the Hoover Dam. So you guys know about the Hoover Dam. You know, it's kind of a big deal in American history. Um, it's just outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. It's out there in the Nevada desert. And it's, it is a really beautiful place. So there is a rail trail that circles Hoover Dam. And I'm going to let Cindy Barks from the Rails to Trails Conservancy Magazine, Quarterly Magazine, tell you a little bit about it. I'm not going to read her whole article. I have curated certain excerpts to elucidate the beauty and the allure of this hike slash ride or however you want to explore it. Just 30 minutes or so from the Las Vegas Strip in Nevada, the historic railroad trail provides stunning views of Lake Mead and a glimpse at the area's railroad past. For a brief four years or so in the early 1930s, this route served as the primary delivery channel for the massive pieces of pipe and construction equipment needed to build Hoover Dam, the nation's largest engineering undertaking of its time. This railroad was abandoned in 1935 when the dam was completed and the tracks were removed in the 1960s. A portion of the original 30-mile network of railroads was preserved in the 90s, and today 3.7 miles remain as a recreational trail. The trail's combination of beauty and history is undoubtedly its main draw. The trail enjoys a convenient location just 30 minutes or so from Las Vegas Strip, 10 minutes from the charming town of Boulder City, and right in the midst of the 34-mile River Mountains Loop Trail. The flat, easy, historic railroad trail makes for a fairly quick round-trip hike of two or three hours, an even faster bike ride. To get the full trail, lake-slash-city experience, locals recommend extending the outing a bit. Jeff Frampton, owner of All Mountain Cyclery in Boulder City, said cyclists often combine the historic railroad trail with a short ride downhill from Boulder City on an off-road trail, adding in a portion of the adjoining River Mountains Loop Trail and topping it all off with the three-mile ride to the marina on Lake Mead for refreshments. Trail users still get to walk beneath all five of the historic tunnels amidst the chirping of resident Mexican free-tailed bats, and for stellar views of one of the largest man-made lakes in the world, along with a step back in time the mat to the days of a massive Depression-era public works project, the historic railroad trail is hard to beat. Y'all, this is very high on my bucket list, as you know. I love the Southwest, as I was just talking about. And Lake Mead is beautiful. I've been to Lake Mead. I've been to Hoover Dam. And if you've ever stood on Hoover, Hoover Dam and looked down, y'all, it will trip you out. You want to talk about a long, long way down. It is really, really cool to see the valley. It's really cool to see Lake Mead. You're in this deep blue water, and then you have this, like, white, I mean, almost white rock up to a certain level, and then there's a line. And then it's like dark, dark, dark basaltic rock. I don't know why that is, actually. I've never looked into it. Um, it may be that it was bleached by the water when it was able to maintain a certain level for any some length of time. But I don't know if that holds up. It may actually be some kind of a sedimentary layer. I don't know. Haven't looked into it. Doesn't really matter. But it's a very, very neat image to see 
It's a juxtaposition of black on white on blue. And it's just really cool to see. It's really cool to see the Hoover Dam. You're close to Vegas. I will tell you this about Vegas. I went into Vegas just to drive the strip. I'm not a Vegas person. I don't like, I ain't about strippers. I'm not about hookers and I don't care for gambling. You guys want to go gamble? Cool. You know, do what you do with your money. I go on road trips. You guys go, you know, pull the old slot machine. I don't care. I'm not against it. I just am not throwing my money into that machine. I'll throw my money into my gas tank and go see the world. You know, I just view it a different way. So don't take it as any kind of moral judgment. You do you. But I had no interest in doing Vegas. But what I was interested in is seeing it. Saying I'd been there, driving down the strip. That was a big mistake. Like, it was cool. I got to see, you know, Trump Tower and all these different places that are super famous. Um, All the different old casinos. It was really neat. It was neat. But like, listen, I mean, I don't know, maybe. It depends. If you like sitting in traffic for five hours to go two miles, like literally, you're in luck. It's kind of cool. Good luck getting your picture with the iconic Welcome to Vegas sign. I wanted to attempt that, but understand everybody there is doing that. And the road system, they don't even got a parking lot big enough to even remotely accommodate anyone more than maybe a few dozen people at best trying to get pictures of that sign. So don't anticipate getting to get out and take your selfie. You may be able to snap a picture of it as you creep by in your vehicle, but like getting in and out of there, like I did not do it. Like it, it didn't happen. And I'm the person that will take off and, you know, okay, this is going to suck, but I'm going to do it. Cause I may never be here again. I was like, no, screw this. I'm not doing this, but it was still cool to see Vegas. So just, you know, understand that. Just know that about Vegas. If you're just a passing through, you may not want to just be a passing through. I'm sure for locals to Vegas, there's probably just like any other, like any of the major cities I worked in for FedEx, they're surely ways around everything. I'm sure there are bypasses. I'm sure there are back streets. I'm sure there are neighborhoods. And once you learn how to get around the city, it's not that big a deal. But just to drive the strip itself, pack lunch, pack a couple of, you know, 20 ounce bottles to pee in. Ladies, I don't, you know, you do whatever you have to. It's just a whole thing. It's just a whole thing. But it's an awesome, awesome place to go. I'm going to assume to ride on a rail trail. It's on my bucket list now. I can't wait to go back out there someday and actually check that out. So let's move on to our next bucket list rail trail. And for this one, we are going to our great Northeast. We are going to go to Vermont. All right. So in Vermont. Now, the reason why is this on my bucket list? Why would it not be? Right. I think we've all thought someday I want to see New England especially in the fall, because, you know, they're famous for their fall colors, the foliage in New England, right? And who doesn't want to go up really far in the Northeast, like to Maine, and see some of those old crabbing towns, fishing towns? That would be awesome. I very much have the Northeast in general on my bucket list before I die. Um, So this one was really cool. When I came across this one, again, in Rails to Trails magazine, all of these are going to be curated from this Rails to Trail magazine tonight. Um... I was like, this looks really cool, read through it, and it is. It, it looks pretty awesome. So we're going to go through it. This one's called Rural Revitalization, and it is by Bernie Browdy, or Bern Browdy. Um, and let's see where to start. An engineering wonder. When it's completed in November 2022, the LVRT, this is a old magazine, as you can see, it's already November, December 23. The LVRT 
will become the longest rail trail in the state of Vermont, bisecting northern Vermont from east and west, beginning in St. Johnsbury near the New Hampshire state line and traveling to Swanton, just a few miles south of the Canadian border. For now, three segments totaling nearly 45 miles provide four-season recreation for walkers, cyclists, equestrians, and nature lovers, as well as snowmobilers. Okay, so you got to remember up there in the winter, you know, they do a lot of snowmobiling. This rail trail crisscrosses the Lamoil, Missaquai, and Wild Branch waterways several times. It has 42 bridges. That's 42 crossings, y'all. It also has numerous fishing access points, trailheads, adjacent historic sites, and other features through boreal and hardwood forest, open meadows, and complex wetlands. And when we're talking about these forests, we're talking about beech trees, birch trees, and maple trees, as you might have expected. Some of the trail's greatest treasures are its stone arch bridges, as well as culverts and cattle passes that most users would never notice. The original rail line had 13 covered bridges, too. Walcott's Fisher Bridge, built in 1908, is the only one remaining. But take note, there is one remaining. There is a story on every mile of that railroad, said Robertson. Farmers have etched their names and dates on structures that were built into the stonework. We've found retaining walls in the river no one has seen in almost 150 years. The LVRT corridor is built on the former Vermont division of the Portland and Ogdensburg Railroad, which opened in 1877 to connect Portland, Maine with Ogdensburg, New York, and all points west. In 1973, Vermont purchased the railroad, renaming it the Lamoille Valley Railroad, which ran until 1994. Now, in addition to connecting eastern and western Vermont, the Lamoille Valley Railroad Trail, the LVRT, is poised to provide a linkage between the sixth smallest state and an expansive 1,100-mile New England rail trail network currently being developed across Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. A regional network hasn't been done here before, said Tom Sextons, the Rails to Trails Conservancy's Northeast Regional Director, but New England is distinct and makes sense to link all six states in the region by rail trail. There's no scheduled completion date, but the network is about half constructed and it continues to grow and evolve, according to Sexton. Current projections are that it will be about 90% off-road. Sexton is working with the states on placing trail counters along the routes to document the value of these connections and to convince local rail trail representatives to chart connections to bring the trail to fruition. What he says by off-road doesn't mean it's like off-road 4 by 4 What it means is most of the trail is off of highways. You don't have to hike down the edge of any highways for a few miles to make the next connection or ride your bike down it. That's what he means by that. doesn't mean like it's getting crazy rough or anything. It just means 90% is literally not going to be on any road and not cross a whole lot of roads. So anyway, this sounds like an awesome hike slash ride to me through Vermont and y'all all season really because I mean who wouldn't want to hike through Vermont in the snow you know who wouldn't want to snowshoe it there's a lot of people that do snowshoeing it just looks like a super super cool place to go it's through the mountains up there you're going down through the valleys following the creeks again what rail trails are amazing for is the scenery is the access to backcountry locations that you cannot otherwise access and it's right through the heart of Vermont y'all like you get pancakes some morning and some maple syrup, right? Isn't that what they're famous for up there is maple syrup? Like, who doesn't want to go to the Northeast? Who does not have the Northeast on their bucket list? Somewhere on their bucket list. If you don't, you are sleeping 
I'm probably one of the neatest, in my opinion, I think it's probably one of the neatest regions of the United States. And I can't wait to visit someday because one, well, you know me, I'm a history nerd, right? Y'all, the oldest history we're going to get here, at least colonial era forward, post-contact is up in the Northeast, right? Where the pilgrims landed, where everything started. There's so many, guys, there are bridges up there that are, 300 years old, stone arch bridges. There are houses up there that are 200 to 300 years old in the Northeast. It's just a cool place. I really want to go to New England. And it, I mean, I am psyched about the idea that you could go up there and hike and ride through the mountains of Vermont, through the boreal forest, the hardwood forest, and see all of the fall colors. Oi, 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 vey. Anyway, that is our representative from the Northeast tonight. So now let's move on to ooh, the Pacific Northwest. This one, ooh, I remember this one. This is cool. This article is called The Olympic Discovery Trail by Corey Madison. Eventually stretching from the Puget Sound to the Pacific Ocean, the Olympic Discovery Trail is a showcase of some of the most renowned cultural and natural assets on the North Olympic Peninsula. It is 135 miles, and it goes through two counties. Timber drove construction of the railroad's lines that much of the ODT now traces, but it took decades of failed attempts to lay down much of that track. The peninsula's early economy was built almost entirely on felling trees, milling lumber, and getting it to market, all made more challenging by the remoteness and the difficulties of transportation. This was in the 1800s. Oceans, bays, rivers, forests, mountains, seaside towns, tribal communities, Canada, a sea, a sound, and a lake so deep it can submerge the Space Needle, which is in Seattle. These are among the sights and sounds along the Olympic Discovery Trail. And if that's not enough, so many lavender fields blossom across the region in the summer months that the Sequim hold an annual festival to celebrate them. The Dungeness, Dunganess, the Dunganess, let's go with that, offers a real country feel. The trail runs along waterfront through much of Port Angeles and crosses streams and rivers, sometimes in dramatic fashion. The Elwha River Bridge, which provides a pedestrian-only lower deck across the undammed river, is one of the crowning jewels of the whole trail. Olympic National Park is home to the most recent major ODT piece, the 10-mile Spruce Railroad Trail. The newly paved ADA-compliant path takes users through tunnels and over bridges that runs along the seemingly bottomless Crescent Lake. Holy crap, that alone, guys. 10 miles of ADA-compliant trail. You know that means Americans with Disabilities Act, right? ADA. That means you could wheelchair. You could push someone on a wheelchair. You could do a lot of things. Like, guys, yeah. And like the electric um, the electric motorized little vehicles for folks that are disabled. That is awesome. It is freaking paved. It's 10 miles and it goes around Crater Lake. Crescent Lake. Crescent Lake. Are you serious? I kind of, I must've missed that when I was highlighting these sections. That is so cool. That is so cool. Along the waterfront, the trail connects to a path that takes users most of the way out on Edis Hook, a three mile long crescent shaped sand spit that offers panoramic views of the Olympic mountains and close encounters with marine life. The latest rankings by the League of American Bicyclists places Washington as the number one overall among, or as number one overall among bike friendly states. Y'all, the pictures in this magazine that I'm looking at right now are flipping epic. Have you guys, you guys remember when I was out, Big Sur? I told y'all about Big Sur, didn't I? 
Like I've told you about 400 times about Big Sur, that place was magical, it was spiritual, and I literally miss it like a long-lost love. Like, on the regular, I think of my time out there and I long to go back. It is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Well, guess what? The Pacific Northwest Coast is more of Big Sur. You know, like I've told you guys before, you go out through Oklahoma and suddenly you hit the state line and you're like, yes, a new state. And Texas is more of Oklahoma. And then you get to New Mexico and you're like, yes, it's just more Texas or Kansas. You get into the first part of Colorado when you're booking across Kansas and it's just more Kansas until you finally hit the Rocky Mountains. That's how Big Sur is. And it's in a good way. You go out of Northern California into Oregon, Washington, up through there. It's just more of central, the central coast. It's absolutely beautiful. And these pictures are stunning. And this rail trail is incredible looking. Holy cow. Like I I was kind of rushing through this when I was putting together this outline. And I did this a few weeks ago, actually. I'm kind of coming in blind tonight. Um, just knowing I'd made the notes, but I'm kind of coming in a little bit blind, but I just, I'd forgotten that right there. Like just that section alone. I wish that well, anyone watching on the podcast, but I'm not going to take the, that's a, that's a lot of effort and it's going to make a lot of noise. Just trust me, Google it. The Olympic Discovery Trail. Check it out. This looks awesome. And I can't wait. The Pacific Northwest has long been on my bucket list, but especially since I spent time out in Cali on the Central Coast, out on Big Sur. Y'all, that's just, there's landscapes there that you just can't imagine until you see them with your own eyes. And you can get online, you can go look at Big Sur, you can go look at the Olympic Discovery Trail, the Olympic Coast. Y'all, y'all, put it on your list. And I know we're going way out there tonight, you know? Like I always try to pitch this show as, present this show as like, this is like actually the travel show for the working man, for the rest of us, for people who have lives and kids and all that. But like, I'm talking about, this is a bucket list. This is, if you get a week of vacation a year, maybe, maybe, you pull all the strings and do all the things to make that one awesome trip. These are the kinds of ideas that some of these are. These are the kinds of ideas that I'm taking them down as. They're one, they're on my bucket list and I haven't done them yet. Because uh, I promise you, if it was two hours down the road, I'd be doing some of these all the time. Especially that one. But it is another idea. It is another way to get you outside. So anyway, the Olympic Discovery Trail. Up in, it, believe it, that must have been Washington. Because it said the state of Washington is like the most bike friendly. So anyway, up in the state of Washington, the Olympic Discovery Trail. And with that, we are pushing into the last 10 or 15 minutes of the show tonight. So let's get to our last two bucket list rail trails. For this, we are going to, well, we are going up to Yellowstone. And then we will go out to West Virginia. So let's head up to, I believe, Yellowstone first in Montana. Montana and Wyoming. Two of the most beautiful places I've ever seen with my own eyes. You guys, if you want to hear a humorous recollection of a ill-fated road trip across America into the confines of Canada of two young men who maybe bit off more than they could chew... Go back probably a year and a half or so, maybe two years now, and listen to Wayward Stories, my first great American road trip. And you will hear about my time kicking it through Montana and through Wyoming and all of the great many numbers of antelopes that you will come across when you go up. And um, it is like the antelope capital of the world. But anyway, Montana, 
is beautiful. Yellowstone, I'm given to understand is beautiful because it too still resides on my bucket list. And see, there you go. I got my Yellowstone on my bucket list and I have this rail trail also on my bucket list and I can do them both, knock them both off at the same time. Montana's Yellowstone Shortline Trail by Amy Grissick. It's fitting that the railway corridor responsible for the creation of the town of West Yellowstone, Montana, over a century ago, continues to welcome visitors along the same path. After, a, after being a dream held by locals for decades, the nine-mile Yellowstone Shortline Trail is soon becoming a reality, offering exceptional recreational opportunities for locals and guests. Celebrating its 150th year anniversary in 2022, Yellowstone National Park was marketed as a wonderland in the 1880s, boasting otherworldly thermal features and boundless wildlife. Early entrepreneurs launched a See America First campaign geared towards wealthy visitors, most of whom reached this remote location via train. While the Northern Pacific Railway reached Cinnabar, Montana in 1883, and ultimately Gardner at the northern entrance in 1902, it was 1905 before the Union Pacific Railway finally extended its rail line from St. Anthony, Idaho, to the western boundary of the park. Two years later, the track reached what is now West Yellowstone, and a simple wooden depot greeted the first passenger train on June 11, 1908. The following year, the Union Pacific Railroad constructed the striking arts and crafts style Rhyolite Stone Depot, which is now home to the Museum of the Yellowstone. Managed by the nonprofit Yellowstone Historic Center, running only from mid June to mid September, the Yellowstone Special brought awestruck adventurers to the park for decades. Y'all. I don't think I need to say anything else about it. Can you imagine hiking and riding a rail trail through Yellowstone? Now, it's only a few miles long, but that's more than enough to really get up close and personal. It's on the south fork of the Madison River. God, that's beautiful, guys. Good grief, that's beautiful. So anyway, who wants to go ride a rail trail in uh, Yellowstone with me? Like, let's put it together. Let's throw it down and go do it. This is going to be absolutely insane. This is going to be absolutely insane. I can't wait to do this someday. Yellowstone Shortline Trail. And with that, let's move on to our final rail trail bucket list location of the night. And for that, we are going to West Virginia. Wild and wonderful rail trails of the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. Photos and story by Robert Annis. This is rail lines to the West Virginia coal mines, man. Like, this is for me. This is so for me. Because, like, you guys know, cultural anthropology, all that, the nerdy stuff that I love. Like, West Virginia coal mines, guys, they, like, inhabit. They exhibit. They have their own lore. Like, they are famous, made famous through lore, legend, mythology, through songs aplenty, like God, John Denver. He liked West Virginia, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, there's a whole mystique, if you will, to West Virginia and the coal fields and the coal mines. And what we have here is a bunch of rail trails that run throughout New River Gorge, National Park, which is, I believe, one of the nation's newest national parks. So that just goes on the bucket list from the jump just right out the gate, right? So anyway, let's read through this a little bit and let's see what it might be like. Yep, there we go. 
America's newest national park is known for a lot of outdoor activities, whitewater rafting, rock climbing, and on a crazy day in the fall, base jumping. But rarely do you hear people talk about bicycling in West Virginia's New River Gorge National Park and Preserve. And that is a shame. And again, I, did I say Robert Annis is the uh, proper person to attribute here? That is the author of this article. This is a shame. Although you may not find traditional paved rail trails, the park's trails meander through stunning scenery that's absolutely packed with history. They may be a little rougher than what many riders feel comfortable with, although this rider was glad to take up the very fun challenge for one week this past June. And of course, they can make for some amazing hikes. What he means is, a lot of the people that read Rails to Trails, this is almost a bicycle magazine. This is not really for hikers. It is way more understood that people are riding their e-bikes and their road bikes. So they talk a lot about, you know, what kind of bike, what kind of tires on some of these trails you might need or whatever. So what this guy is talking about is you probably don't want to take your road bike on these trails. These are old rail line trails, but they're not fully converted into like hard crushed gravel or paved roadways. So like for me, it would be taking my mountain bike down there and I'm not a mountain biker per se. But, you know, it's got the tires to be a little bit all-terrain, and so you can handle rougher rides down the mountain. But the Southside Trail. After spending hours in the van, I needed to stretch my legs. The Southside Trail was the perfect introductory trail to New River Gorge. It's mostly flat, loaded with history, and nearly impossible to get lost on. Stretching about seven miles one way, from the Brooklyn campground to the nearby town of Thurmond, the Southside Trail sits between limestone cliffs to the north and the New River to the south for much of the route. About half a mile from the campground, I spied the decaying foundations of several abandoned homes along the ridge. Unbeknownst to me at the time, there are actually up to 60 of these former communities along the trail. According to Arrowhead Bike Farm's Adam Stevens, it can be tough to see the remnants in the spring and summer because of overgrowth, but if you look closely, you can detect evidence of these abandoned settlements as close as five feet from the trail. One of these abandoned spots is the Red Ash Mine, where in 1900 the open flames of a miner's headlamp ignited a pocket of methane gas which turn, in turn detonated several nearby kegs of blasting powder. The massive explosion killed 46 people. Five years later, history repeated itself when 24 were killed in two concurrent explosions. The undergrowth is so thick on certain parts of the south side track that I thought it was going to be reclaimed by the forest. In several of these spots, even the steel rails and the railroad ties remained in place. Another reminder of the history. At least a half dozen railroad tracks greeted me as I reached Thurman. Coal trains still use these rail lines every day, and a commuter Amtrak tra train connecting Chicago and New York runs three days a week. I could have continued from there on the Wren Trail to Minden, but unfortunately one of the bridges about halfway down the trail is currently out of commission due to structural damage. So I took a quick spin around Thurman and headed back to my van, trying to beat the setting sun. So there is more to this article, but we're over our half hour for or hour for tonight and i'm going to leave it with that rail trails in the west virginia new river gorge that go to the old coal mines guys for me it's big time for me that is huge bucket list because again the history is there the anthropological aspect is there like guys those communities those people that carved out that life i mean oh my god think about it i mean everyone remembers I mean, not not many people listen to country music anymore. That is a dying art because it's not an art anymore. <laughs> yeah, I said what I said. But everyone's heard of Tennessee and Ernie Ford, right? You load 16 tons. 
What did you get? Like, that's what it's about. Another day older, deeper in debt. Those guys sold their souls to those stupid coal mines. They went down there and got black lung. They died of all these diseases, of explosions, of all these things. Like, there is a whole mystique, a mythology, a folklore about the coal fields of Kentucky, West Virginia, and the New River Gorge. By the way, I don't know if you've looked into it, absolutely gorgeous. So icing on the cake, right? Let's go check out the New River Gorge and let's go hike some old historic railroad tracks to old historic railroad or uh, mining districts. Like history comes to life. And I know no one cares about history anymore. I get it. No one cares about history. But if you ever get to really step foot in some of these places, and if you just read a little bit, just a little bit before you go and like hear some of the stories and then you go step and stand in the places where those stories happen, there is a connection that is ineffable that I cannot explain to you. But when you go and you have that connection, you will understand it. I can't tell you about it because it just, it's something that's hard to explain. It can't really be explained. It just, it feels connective. Like, you don't know. We don't know that any of those people might have ever been our relatives, but they also might have been. That is our shared human culture. That's as Americans, that is a part of our shared culture. Those coal mines help build the country that we have today. We wouldn't have what we have if it weren't for those coal mines shipping all that coal up to Pittsburgh to make all the steel that created the Industrial Revolution that created the world that we live in today. Like, you can go stand. And one of the places where people, men, literally died for a stupid job, died for a stupid job, just trying to put food on the table for their families. And that sacrifice literally gave you all the amenities you have today. This stinking iPhone that I am recording this podcast on right now is thanks to someone who died in a West Virginia coal mine at some point. And you can say that about a whole lot of things that happened in this nation's history. And all I'm saying is there's something connective about who we were, where we came from, and what it means to us today. And anyway, to me, that's a whole lot of what this, like, being able to go explore these. Guys, what did I do in the Central Colorado episode? Remember, I just dropped it again as like a classic when I ran up against a wall of time here earlier this spring. I dropped it as a classic because it was one of my best episodes that everyone loves. I went up and explored the gold mines and the silver mines in Colorado, and everyone sent me emails saying, I didn't know you could do that. That's the coolest thing ever. I'm going to Colorado. Well, this is just as cool. Have you ever seen a giant coal tipple? Like the structures that go into the old historic coal mines are way the heck more impressive looking and cooler than the stuff that you run up to even in the old gold and silver mines in Colorado. They're their own thing. They're in their own lane, but they're still awesome, awesome to go see. So I highly suggest that everyone puts on their bucket list because again, you don't have to have bikes. You can hike all of these trails. They are open to hikers, bikers. Some of them are even open to horses. Watch out for the landmines see the last episode. Still salty. I'm still salty about the freaking horse riders up in fuzzy butt. Anyway, guys, that takes us out to like a full hour's worth of episode tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I do need to wrap this up and probably get on with my night. I need to think about editing this. I need to edit together a video for our, uh, for our parade today that we did for the search team. Got to do that PR, right? Got to make people like us. So, you know, if budgets ever get cut, maybe they won't cut ours, right? Anyway, I got stuff to get on with. You guys, I hope you have a good night. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you would be so kind, please rate and review 
please, please, please go leave us a rating and leave a review. Other than that, if you will subscribe and share us via word of mouth or share the YouTube videos or even just the podcast links into any of your groups where you think they might find what we're talking about over here interesting, that stuff grows the show and is always incredibly appreciated. Um, thank you all who have been writing in, all the people I've been getting in touch with, Cindy G and all the other names, Charlene, all the people that have been writing in here lately. Thank you guys. Keep writing. I will be back in touch with a lot of you just as soon as I can. It's extremely appreciated. And for anyone else out there, if you've got a story that you want to tell, if you have um, any ideas, you know, of just what might make a good episode, send it my way so I can put it on the list and it may just be an episode we make. Anyway, guys, thanks so much. If you want to get in touch, mywaywardstory at gmail.com. If you want to see my Instagram, YouTube, go to anything else. Go over to waywardstories.com. It is the nexus for all things wayward stories. Um, and other than that, guys, I think that wraps it up. This is this is good stuff. Rails to Trails. Go support the Rails to Trails Conservancy, y'all. Go pay your $18, get your quarterly magazines, and get you a pair of Rails to Trails socks or whatever they're giving away this year. I got a pair of socks last year. Never wore them. Still have them probably give them away someday as a giveaway for like, I don't know, a trade show or something. I may go do freaking cool though. Anyway, you guys have a good night. Get out there. Go find you some bucket list adventures to get on into. Get off your butt. Remember, don't let the traumas keep you down. Don't let the bad things keep you down. Don't be a victim. Overcome. Overcome. Get out there and find something good to do. And until we meet again, you guys remember to be good to each other.